And here's what I want to ask you. What is holding you back? What is the thing that's holding you back from going after your dreams and from finding meaningful work you love? Aren't you ready to wake up to the possibilities that are in your life and go after the things you've dreamt of? It's time for you to feel alive again, lit up, and for you to know that you're deserving and you are worthy for the future that's waiting for you. I want you to feel fulfilled and find abundance in your life. I think it's time and I'm ready to help you get started. Now I'm your host, Kristen, of Building a Life You Love. And each week on the show, we're going to help you figure out how you do go after your dreams and find work you love. Here we go. Let's get started. I think you're going to love today's conversation because we're going to talk about the intersection of health and wealth and how we don't just want to make money, but we want to learn how we acquire wealth and how we then are able to attain financial freedom and more time to focus on our health and the things that are important to us. So here we go. Hi, today on the show, I would like to welcome Christina Wise. She's the best-selling author of the book, Falling for Money. She is the podcast host of Wealthy, Wealthy and the creator of the Wealthy, Wealthy educational company that focuses on teaching unconventional money and health philosophies to people so that they can live rich, happy, and healthier lives. I'd like to welcome Christina to the show. Welcome, Christina. Hey, thank you. It's an honor to be here. Wonderful. Well, I would love for you to first share with the audience, tell us a little bit about this journey. I know it's been an interesting one and you've done lots of amazing things, but I know the beginning of that story starts with, you know, a health situation that you ended up uh, dealing with in 2013. So we'd love to hear about your journey. Yeah, that was that was just a is a big pivotal moment. Is the reason I bring it up, and it was the the impetus between behind my newest business and brand, which is Wealthy Wealthy, and it's the idea that even though I've been on, in the money game for a long time and have been a creator of wealth, teaching of financial freedom and methodologies for getting there, and really being on the success track, having a very having a lot of success when I was you know running businesses and that stage of my life. What I didn't realize at the time is that I was always, you know, in kind of the context of building a life you love, I thought I was building a life I loved and I thought I was building freedom, but I was really building a business that owned me and I never took a break and it was all consuming. And every ladder, you know, every rung of the ladder of success I hit, I was off to the next one without even pausing to think about the accomplishment or did I even want the next thing? And it came at a high cost. So you know, my story basically to sum it up, and we've heard this so many times before, is that, you know, I chased the wealth, you know, the money wealth at the sacrifice of my health and other relationships and a lot of other categories of life. And it nearly killed me. And so I had to learn the hard way is that, you know, without my body, without my health, all the money and success in the world does not matter. And it just became, you know, I just became aware of the cost that, you know, trying to chase that proverbial next, next or out there somewhere. And no matter where I got, no matter what level of success, there's always the next place to go. And that became the treadmill. So coming out of that, I really became intentional about designing my life that I love and, but taking time and really thinking about what that was and, and, you know, versus just kind of assuming it was that at that next stage of money, wealth, or career success, business success. So yeah, that's that's what's happened and took me to where I am today. And I really pivoted out of the, the real estate brokerage and technology space where I built a big name and you know had quite a, a sizable identity nationally in that space and really just turned my back on that because I realized that you know, that's not what my life is about. And I wanted to to teach these things that I'd learned through that near-death experience from more of a philosophical and life point of view, just things I learned and then teaching the importance of money when it really does come to designing life. And I'll sum up by saying that, you know, when we're having these conversations about entrepreneurialism or we talk about success, or we talk about building a life we love, one of the missing conversations is the money piece. And so I love bringing money to that conversation. And it's not about the money. It's about designing the life we love. But at the same time, the, the life we love takes money. So it's about how to wrap the, you know, how to integrate these two conversations into one thing. Yeah, I love it. I, I think you're so right. And right, I think you you do. You need money to be able to do the things that you do enjoy, the things that you want to do, you, either on your own or if you have a family or people that, you know, are close to you. Those things take money, right? And it, just to give you also just the a stability and the peace of mind also, right? You need the money. You need some level of wealth. And then, of course, to your point, if we're, we don't have health, 
how can we how can we even you know live a life where we get to do the things we enjoy or for very long, right? So I, yeah, I love that you and have that intersection where you help people with both of those things because I think they're both so important and they're they're both like you said we're ignoring a whole part of ourselves or our lives if we don't if we don't talk about both. Yeah, when we're in the chase of money and the chase of success, thinking at some point we'll get there and we don't have to chase anymore, it doesn't work that way. It will go on forever until we actually intentionally, consciously stop that type of pattern and that kind of momentum. And that, you know, it comes at a cost. It comes at the cost. Many times we're chasing the money and we're chasing the success. It comes at the cost of relationships, you know, spouses or significant others feel like they're just fit in or not the priority. Children might fit that way. You know, our health, our self-care gets put on the back burner. So many, so many things get put on the back burner for this chase of money and success kind of intertwined as one of the same thing. And I just like to say that, no, we've got it in the wrong order is that when we really focus on lifestyle architecture and what is a good life and and what do we, what do we want? What do we need? What do we don't need? What do we don't want that, you know, we're saying yes to and figuring out those things first. And then we can quantify and say, okay, how much does it cost to live this life that I want that has all these different pieces that are important to me? All right. Now I will work on the money piece and the, and the career success or business success piece that will enable me to create that amount of money that will pay for my lifestyle today and my future self lifestyle tomorrow and the only way for that to happen, I believe, from my own experience and just the work that I do today, is it has to be conscious. It has to be intentional. It has to be designed. It has to, it takes a little math. It takes a pen and paper. It takes some white space, you know, versus just thinking, hey, if I keep doing what I do, what I'm doing, it'll eventually, I'll eventually bump into it. And I've just found it doesn't work that way. So yeah, there's the money piece and it, you know, part of the money piece if this is true, then it's it's moving from money is something I'll, you know, even though I'm chasing the money and chasing the success, I'll work, you know, I'll do my books, I'll I'll work about money management, I'll I'll maybe spend some time thinking about money in the future when I have enough of it, as opposed to really building that relationship and having an intimate relationship with our money, understanding how it works, learning these very fundamental principles, laws and mechanics of money. And just make money a very safe and enjoyable conversation and practice in our life because money is really a life skill. And if we don't understand the skill of money, then we're really going to be controlled by it versus the other way around. Absolutely. And I know we're going to dive into money, you know, a lot more in a few minutes, but I just want to note that I like the example you gave about money though, because you were kind of saying like, we could just keep on filling up our time, kind of chase, 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 if we don't really grasp that as a tool or as a skill set, it's much like time. You know, if we're working, 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 but we don't schedule in the things we want to do, the rest we need, the time to recharge, the self-care, it's not going to just happen, right? Because like to your point, it has to be intentional and we have to design our days and our weeks and our months to fit those things in. You know, so I think it's the point is it's the similar parallel. It's kind of like if you don't plan for it, your time will just get filled up, you know, and you're not then in charge of actually your, what your life looks like, you know? Yeah. And there's always the emergency or what feels to be the emergency that takes the priority and it's not, you know, so it's always like running around what's loudest at the moment. And again, that means, you know, we're reacting to our environment. We're reacting to these situations as opposed to being thoughtful and creating the situations we want and kind of letting everything else drop off. If it's really not as important to, as it might present itself with the, you know, at the time. Absolutely. So before we dive into some of the fundamental things about financial freedom that I know you talk about, you know, often and help people with, are there anything on the health side of things that you learned through your journey that are just, you know, have to haves in your life or that you do, you know, so whether they're practices or just things that now you do design into your life to make sure that you do have that balance of that, the health and, and wellness. Yeah, I'd say it's just, it's flipping the order. So again, where the priority that was always the loudest was the money and success piece mm -hmm. and everything else had to fit around that. Now it's the opposite. Now it's, it's my health, my well-being, my happiness, mm -hmm. what brings me joy. That's the priority and everything else fits around to support that, if it makes sense. So it's, it's yeah. really flip-flop. And as, as obvious it seems, one, it's not 
as easy as it maybe seems like it should be. But at the same time, it's just, it's a different mindset. It's a different orientation, you know, that that's connected to that mindset and versus where, let's say some of, I think the word most people use these days is self-care where self-care would be fit in when I'd have the time before. Again, now everything is self-care. And if I've missed a few days where I'm not getting great sleep, I'm going to organize my life to get that sleep back, you know, or, you know, and now where I didn't have, you know, I'd have you know, this in my, you know, what I would say often is like, I don't have the time to go do X, Y, Z, which me taking care of myself. You won't hear me say that anymore, or I don't have the money or whatever the case is. Now it's, it's the opposite. It's like, these things are such the priority that I'll figure it out. And, you know, as simple as the time that I work and I have very, you know, shrunk work hours these days, although I'm just as productive and just as successful, but I work a fraction of the time. So I just take what I do with the rest of the time. I enjoy life, you know, as simple as going for walks, as simple as sometimes getting to bed early, as simple as making sure that, you know, I'm go get the massage or, you know, whatever it might be. And, and really being in touch. I think, I think that piece is really being in touch with my body. I was out of touch with my body before I really took it for granted. And I'd always been lucky that I'd been kind of healthy. So I was never really forced to think about it, but I was healthy till the day I dropped, you know, I I didn't even know it just was one day I felt great. And the next day I, I was out for the count, you know, it's like, I just got, I don't know, like a two by four and sure there were red flags and things, but my point is that I was just so out of touch with what I was feeling. There were a lot of signs I wasn't healthy, but I was still running marathons. I was still pushing myself in every category. I thought I was invincible and now, you know, now it's, if I'm, you know, it's just that aware, it's that connection yeah. of because health is so important. And that way it's like, wow, you know, and it's not that I don't have stress. I don't really stress very often anymore. And before I lived in stress all the time, it's kind of that high intense adrenaline junkie, go, go, go success, 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 like more is better. And that was kind of the, some of the narrative at the time. And sure. Sometimes I find myself, you know, life just everything kind of comes in at once and there's some times of stress, but now I recognize that stress and I know that it's temporary and I'm going to make it temporary. So stress is such a big component that I just create a life now that has very minimal stress. And if it is, I know it's going to be temporary and stress is a big killer. I mean, when we're stressed all the time, you know, with our nervous system being in fight or flight and always reacting and always on guard, like we can't sleep. Our bodies are wanting to fight and, you know, fight, flight or freeze. And, and, you know, um, that stress can cause us to be that way all the time. And then that messes up our hormones. And then that hormones maybe means we're keeping on extra weight. Now we don't feel good about ourselves there. Maybe we're getting, you know, we're just, we are fatigued all the time. So there's all these I mean, so many of us were feeling these signs of we're just not healthy. We're not well. And kind of these lifestyle choices are what are keeping us here. So to answer your question now, it's like my health, my wellness, kind of my overall well-being, nothing's more important than that. And sadly, I nearly had to die for me to have that wake-up call. So part of my message today is like, hey, don't don't push it like I did. Like, let's pay attention to these things now. Yeah. Well, and it is so important. And I talked to more and more people that have began taking, you know, putting their health first, if you will, in their every day, all the time, which I think is great because most of us grew up not being told that, you know, or in our parents not knowing that, you know, and so it is such a shift, I think, for a lot of people. Two things that came to mind when you were talking about that. One is when I was interviewing somebody months ago, um, they're a, a nutrition health coach, and she said she's from Germany. And she said, you know, it's much like children when they're tired, they fall asleep, they go to bed. Like that's just how they, cause they don't, they haven't been trained like us. Like, no, 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 push through, get more caffeine, do the thing. But we've kind of stopped listening to our bodies for a really long time, but we have to get back in touch much. Like you were saying with that person as a child, we did know, like I'm sleepy, we're rubbing our eyes and everybody can tell. And, you know, it's like they fall asleep even while they're eating, you know, they're just, they're like, I'm done. But as adults, we try to pretend like, no, 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 it's fine. I can just keep going. So I think to your point, it's really important that we start listening to our bodies again and then respecting and honoring that. And then the other thing, when you're talking about the fight or flight and the cortisol, I forget who talks about this example. I'm sure more than one person, but they're talking about much like humans, an animal, right? They're only meant like a a gazelle or a deer. They're only meant to 
while there is real risk to their life, right? Something's chasing them that's going to try to eat them. They go into, you know, fight and flight. But what happens is if they stayed in that for longer than that small period of time, they would literally die. But humans, many of us, to your point, stay at this elevated level for days and weeks on end, years. And then we wonder why, you know, at some point, like you said, we come to a breaking point, you know, and it might be the end or it might be just that we end up in the hospital or or not maybe even that much, but we have, to your point, red flags that we're ignoring, um, you know, or at some point, maybe we can't anymore. But I think that's a good example is that, you know, that in the animal kingdom, they can't, they can't even go anywhere near the level of time that we can with these things, um, you know, going through our bodies. So I think it's a good reminder for people that, you know, we do, we need to figure out how do you get rid of some of that stress in your life by designing it differently. But then it's also about how do I then have techniques that help me relieve the stress, right? If I do have it going on, you know, in my life, maybe for my career or something. I mean, yeah, and I it's think that's really important. Simple things too. I mean, we all hear about meditation. For me, meditation is a very important practice for me. It's not for everyone, but for me, that's a practice, but just going for a 15 minute walk in the middle of the day, you know, uh, instead of maybe taking a lunch break, take a, you know, take a healthy snack and go for a nice walk. Or, I mean, there can be all sorts of, you know, just sit down and and read for 15 minutes or, you know, have a conversation with a friend. Like there's all, it doesn't even matter what it is. It's just being conscious, like, Hey, I need a break or, Hey, I need to, you know, I just need to calm my nervous system. My deep, deep breathing is good. Yoga is good. So, you know, I have my methods and techniques, but, you know, um, I think we all know what would work for us. We're just not doing them. Absolutely. Well, yeah. And I, I definitely, you know, kind of get on the soapbox often about this, which is, you know, that our culture does glamorize, you know, overscheduled and over busy and overworked, which is terrible. And, you know, I, I have certain friends that it's like every time I catch them, like, oh my gosh, all they ever say in the evening is like, ah, you know, like, a, but I'm kind of like, you're, you all have good careers. Like you could change this whole, you know, so you can hire a team to go, you know, drive your kid to soccer. Like, you know, there's ways to resolve this, but we're just not. And so, you know, or then I have friends that say, I have back-to-back calls all day, but yet they schedule their own calls for work. Right. Like, and I say, well, you don't even give yourself a break in between to like decompress from the last one and then prep for the next one. And they're like, no, you know, but it's kind of like, that's on you. You need to start realizing that that's not healthy over long term. You know, you do need to have those breaks for recharging and rest, you know, so. It's like what I find, you know, most of the people I work are entrepreneurs and, and, you know, they've had a decent level of success and there really is this subconscious motor pattern running that is like this, I need to get there, wherever the there is, as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And when I get there, then I can slow down right. without realizing that there's never a there, which means there's never a slowdown. This becomes a pattern right. because again, you've reached that level of success and that's great, but then there's the next thing or the next thing accomplished or to build bigger yeah. or to build better. And that's the kind of, that's the the mindset, the narrative, the system we're all in without recognizing. Right. So unless we are aware of that and then, then intentionally cr- created environment and pat, you know, create a new pattern. That's not that that's exactly what we're going to fall into. Right. And that's, that's kind of the energy we're all in without realizing it. So Absolutely. that's just it's like when we can learn or, you know, that there's no finish line, there's no race. This is life. Every day is precious. Right. And, you know, how do we, how do we do both? Like, success over a period of time. We don't have to have it in 12 months or 24 months. What if we spread that same success out over 60 months, you know, but we are able to enjoy life a lot more and be more relaxed and sleep more and take more walks and do more yoga and still have the same level of success, but just spread it out a little bit more because there is no finish line. You know, so I think that's it too, is we're not, we're just, we're all in this race, but there's, there's no finish line and there's no gold medals, you know? Well, and I think one thing we've seen, uh, you know, a shift, I think, especially during um, the pandemic is people are starting to say that we're just kind of, like you said, go, go, go. I feel like I have to accomplish more, I have to accomplish more. And they hadn't really taken the time to inventory what they want in life or how it's changed maybe right in this new season. And they haven't really said like, what, what isn't working for me, right? Maybe to your point, they're working 70, 80 hours a week. And yes, they might make fantastic money. It could be their own company. But to your point, what are they giving up for it? And I think a lot of people started 
really reflecting, you know, during this, um, you know, during COVID, during pandemic and said, hold on, this isn't what I want, you mm-hmm. know, and realizing that they had more power than they realized to actually change that, mm-hmm. you know, so I think that's maybe one of the only good things that has come out of it is I think a lot more people are saying, hold on, I don't have to continue on this trajectory, you know, because we did have time to slow down in some cases, you know, so I think that was the only good thing maybe that came out of it. Yeah. And to realize too, with this is, let's say a lesson is with the slowdown, without being in that do, 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 go, go, go more, 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 faster, 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 that type of frenetic constant energy is I think what we've learned, many of, many have learned is like, oh, I can still accomplish a lot. I can still produce results. I can still, you know, um, be productive and wow, I can do it. I can produce a, a very similar level of output without all that same input. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Ah, so good. So let me ask you, obviously, this intersection of health, which we just talked about that side of things in wealth is so important, because as we talked about earlier, you kind of have to have the money to have this lifestyle that you'd like for yourself. And that can just be enough money to you know, pay the bills and just you know, have a, a you know, good life. It can be just you know, building this lifestyle business. It could be obviously, you know, um, amassing much more so that you have a legacy that you can leave for your family or, you know, your community. So how do we go about that? What are the fundamental principles you talk about and how can people apply them to their lives, you know, in in a simplistic way that we can talk about? Yeah. Well, something I like to say is that when it comes to money, I like to talk about money in terms of a verb. I even call it money in and money is not something we have. It's something we do. And if we do money, then we can have money. But it's understanding that it's created, you know, that means that, you know, to, and there's a difference between money and wealth. Everybody makes money. Everybody spends money. You know, it, it's some level, you know, and it doesn't matter what that amount is, but we're all making money and we're all spending money. That's money, money in, money out. There's a difference between money and wealth. Like wealth is a, is a subcategory of money, right? It's, it has a different distinction. And so if we're in a wealth game, which means, you know, we're intentional about creating wealth, wealth is skill-based, wealth is knowledge-based, wealth is created by understanding how wealth is built or manifested. So one thing is if we want to have wealth or we like the word wealth, then we might want to know what wealth is and how is that different than just money as a subcategory. So what I like to teach is that when we're in the wealth game, it's radically different than the the money game everybody else is playing. And very few people play the wealth game. If they did, they wouldn't be in the financial situations they're currently in. Mm -hmm. And so there's this myth that there's this myth that I bump up against all the time. And the it's kind of twofold. One, one part of the myth is the answer to all of my money problems is to make more money. So that's like this deep-seated belief, again, subconscious, it's running without us even realizing it's running. So what that means is no matter what level or amount of money we're making, we'll still find us that's in that same story that, man, the answer to all my money problems, I guess I need to go make more money. I need to work harder. I need to get that raise. I need to get that advance. I need, you know, whatever the case is. So that's the big fat lie. And it's, um, and the reason why is there's this fundamental money law and it's, it's um, called Parkinson's law of money. And so it's a law, let's say law means rules. It's a truth. So if we, if we just believe that to be true, to try to prove this out or think this out, Parkinson's law says that expenses will always rise to match income. So what that means is that no matter how much income you make, your expenses are going to invisibly match up to it. So when we're right at, right at college, we're making 50,000 a year. We feel like we're barely getting by and we're spending 50,000. We're like, man, I just need to make a hundred thousand. You hit those six figures and then life's going to be different. And right. ooh, then I'll, then I'll worry about wealth. Then I'll worry about saving. Then I'll worry about looking at money and having these types of conversations. But right now I'm barely making ends meet. So I just have to get to that hundred thousand mark. Well, then what happens, let's just say it was a blowout year and, you know, got all these raises or you have a new business and you doubled it. Now it's a hundred thousand dollars a year. Do you keep the same car? Do you keep the same rent payment? Do you take the same vacations? Do you, 
you have the same furniture? No, invisibly, I call it expense creep. Invisibly, you go. You want to move to a different social status because we're human beings and we tribe up, and so that's a big part of it. So now our whole lifestyle now isn't the fifty thousand dollar kind of social environment and that type of just the biology piece. Now we're in the, we're in the hundred thousand dollar a year club. So what that means is we need, because this, this is why it's invisible. It's human nature. Again, we want to be liked and seen and understood and feel, feel like we fit in. And now we're fitting into this next group. So now we need to look and feel to fit in with what they buy and what they have and what they're spending their money on and the vacations they're going on, the cars that they're driving, the neighborhoods they live in. So you can see. So now same thing. Parkinson's law of money says expenses always rise to match income. So now you feel exactly the same because you're still month to month. Mm-hmm. All those bills equal the amount of your paycheck. Same at 50,000, same at a hundred thousand. Right. Your bills equal the amount of your $50,000 income and your bills um, equal the amount of your hundred thousand dollar income. So that means you feel exactly the same. So now the kind of the, in the head is like, well, it doesn't feel anything here at this level mm-hmm. for me to feel financial security or space or, um, you know, stability or something. It must be at that next level. So I better work harder. I better put more money in my business. I better try to spend more time doing it because it's not, it wasn't at 50. It's not at a hundred. Maybe it's at 200. So see how that will go on forever. And that's the trap. That's the, that is the money trap that everyone will find themselves in for the most part, unless they, learn some of these principles and design their, you know, their money life out of it. The second part of Parkinson's law says that what was once a luxury becomes a necessity. Mm-hmm. So now let's say we went from, I don't know, the Honda and let's say now we're up to a three series BMW mm-hmm. and we're leasing it, but we can afford the lease. And it feels like we can afford all these things. Now we're used to, and we like how it feels and we like how we look, we're being, you know, noticed at our three series BMW as opposed to the Honda. So are we ever going to want to go to back to the Honda again? If we want to adjust right. our money and try to like change things, probably not because now we're fitting in with this type of, you know, external validation. So all of this is very intertwined. It's very biological, very tribal, very mm-hmm. natural. So that's why we're, this is happening to us without realizing it. Nobody's doing anything wrong. No one's doing anything bad. It's just, it's so invisible that it's happening without our knowing it. And what it's doing, it's, it's robbing us of any opportunity to build wealth because that will go on forever. It's kind of, like I said, that success track will go on forever unless we break out of it. So that's, that's what's happening. And, you know, with wealth, what wealth is, if we want to look at wealth, Wealth exists on a balance sheet. And so what that means is that if we want to get out of the money trap, we want to build first financial stability, then financial security, then some financial success and wiggle room, and ultimately maybe financial independence and financial freedom. You know, it's we grow along this spectrum over time. Then what we have to do is get into, like, like I said, the wealth game, because wealth meaning surplus surplus of money, not the month to month. It's the surplus of money that is placed in these different categories, other subcategories of money. What that does is that gives the wiggle room, that gives the breathing room, that gives some of the space. It's like, oh, you know, if there's an emergency, I'm going to be able to make it. I have some cash or, or, oh, you know, I have some assets. But if we don't, if we're not running a household balance sheet and we don't know our net worth relative to our age and how much money is enough, for some future self that's going to want to exit out of working all the time, the way we do now, that means we've, we don't know about money and how it works mm-hmm. because the only way to build wealth is through time for most people. Right. And that means that what we do today is absolutely positively going to affect our future self 10 or 20 years from now. So what we do today or don't do today, what's on that balance sheet today, what's not on that balance sheet today is absolutely positively going to show it's what we did or didn't do today, 10 or 20 years from now, definitely 20. And the starting place is really 10. So that's it. Like, so when we understand if I say something and somebody's listening says, I don't have a balance sheet. I don't even know what that's on. it. I don't even really know how to calculate it. I would, you know, I'd invite whoever's listening to say, 
I think there's something I need to learn about this money thing. Maybe I'm kind of in the system that everybody else is in that probably isn't going to work out. And you said the word trajectory before. We're all on a financial trajectory, but most people on the trajectory that they don't want. And I just help people create the trajectory that they do want. And it's just based on some pretty basic numbers, some very simple math, throwing things into a compounding calculator and a reverse compounding calculator, knowing your age today and what age it is where you want to have enough money that can start paying for the cost of you know, your lifestyle, because there's only two types of income. And this is what we don't realize. There's working income and there's non-working slash passive income. We all say, oh, we want passive income. But one, do you really know what passive income is? And if you actually really want it and need it, which we all eventually will, then why not have a plan for creating it? It's not going to happen by accident. So, you know, do you see there's all these different principles, the principle of compound interest, there's Parkinson's law, there's this myth that, you know, the answer to all my money problems is to make more money. And then kind of the final piece to that too, is what I call, you know, it's kind of this blend of our money mindset, you know, money is like this equal part mindset relationship to the money and practical, you know, the practical application of what we do with it. It's like a three, you know, three-legged stool. You need all three legs for this financial stool to be sturdy and to hold mm-hmm. really, you know, heavy weight. So the mindset piece, that's just kind of these inner beliefs about money and to understand that we are programmed as children. So most of us still are in these money beliefs, again, deep, deep, deep rooted and seated that our seven to 10-year-old self heard from mom and dad, you know, so those are the, it's a seven year programming that's still running the show as adults. So we really need to look at those beliefs, look at those mindsets and look at the narrative attached to those things. Like I can't afford it. Or, you know, I mean, it could be any number of things, you know, our our beliefs and mindset comes out of the the language that we use because our language is what, what reveals our true beliefs. And most of those go unexamined our entire lives. So they need to be examined. Most of us have what I call, you know, money baggage, you know, that came from our parents. Few, Some people had great parents that talked about money and never argued about it. And there's plenty of it and taught these, you know, these life, the money life skills to their kids. But for the rest of us, we have to go kind of unlearn and then learn it ourselves. Mm-hmm. The second leg of the stool is what I call the relationship with money. And most, you know, I shouldn't use most, many people have an unhealthy relationship. And what that means is if we have an unhealthy relationship that usually comes from some flawed beliefs about money, what that means is we're avoiding it. We're procrastinating it. We're abdicating it. We give it to the husband or the wife or the planner, or we just put it out there. Like we don't want to open the bills. We don't want to embrace this thing. We just really want to kind of put our, you know, the ostrich, the head in the sand and I just work really hard. I'm just convinced if I work this hard and it, the money's just going to work itself out, I don't want to step on the scale. I don't want to take a look at this. So that means we have some type of unhealthy or let's say dysfunctional relationship with our money. The great thing about money, it can be so easily cured. You know, an, unfun- an, un, you know, an unhealthy romantic relationship can be a lot more complicated. In an unhealthy body and, you know, being a little bit having, you know, some things we were talking about earlier, you know, we can, that can be hard to fix once it goes on for a long time. Right. Our relationship with money can actually be uh, repatterned very quickly. I mean, it's almost just like making the decision, but it's to understand that we want, we want a, we want to develop the relationship where we have a relationship with our money, where we want to spend time with it. We want to count it. We want to look at it. We want to be grateful for it. We want to manage it. We want to create it to grow. We want to be thankful. You know, this really great relationship and, and, you know, but you have to create a relationship. You can't accidentally have a really wonderful romantic relationship with a partner. It has to be cultivated. It has to be, you know, acted upon. It has to be a desire. You know, it takes effort, even when you don't want to put in that effort, but that's, that's the benefits, you know, of, what we put in, we can get really good things out as opposed to the opposite. Money's no exception. So, you know, when we put crap in our bodies, we're probably, you know, going to feel a certain way when, you know, when we don't have this healthy relationship with our money. So that's the, that's the part of it. And it, again, it needs to be cultivated. It needs to be learned. It needs to be developed. And, you know, but once we have that, then we want to spend time with our money. But if we have this belief money's bad, this never been addressed, then we're going we're gonna to think spending time with our money is a bad thing. See how these things are all connected? 
And then the final piece really is the practical piece is the how to like, Mm -hmm. okay, I feel I want to spend time. I want to grow my money. I want to build wealth. I want to do this, but now what, how do I practically apply these other more nebulous pieces, you know, esoteric pieces They're that are not so esoteric, but they, you know, they're not as black and white as just whipping out a calculator and doing some simple math. So anyway, that's, those are kind of these three pieces that are crucially important. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I just think the requirements, they're just required. If we want to get out of the money game, get in the wealth game and, and make money a fun thing. And it becomes a lifestyle practice. You know, it's something right. we, we do like brushing our teeth every day to have oral health. You know, you quit brushing your teeth. Yeah, doesn't matter if you brushed them for 30 years, you quit brushing them for 10. Too bad, so sad. Those first 30 years, you know, might have helped out a little bit. Well, again, money's the same. Money needs to be a lifestyle practice. It's something we need to do forever. And the only thing that's going to keep us doing that is knowing how good it feels and seeing the rewards of, you know, putting in kind of this work up front. And then, and, you know, just, just the desire to get back to where we started is to create this life that we want and knowing that money's what pays for it. So right. might as well get good at it. Yeah, no. Oh, those are really good points. And yeah, I think, you know, you, you're so right. It's kind of like, you can't ignore it, right? You have to daily or very regularly be paying attention to it. You know, what's it doing? Like you said, how's it working for you? How are you using it? You know, what are the numbers? So yeah, I think that's, that's really good. Any other things that you want to share about just, you know, the intersection of health and, and uh, wealth that we haven't talked about yet? Yeah, I'd, I'll, I mean, all I would say that is that, you know, when health is a priority, I can tell you that for me, a lot more of my money goes towards my health and wellness and it goes towards consumption or possessions. Mm-hmm. And so it really becomes more internal as opposed to external. And, you know, I used to want to have a lot of things to show them off, like to, so I could show right, off right. my success and I could show. And now those things just have very little importance. You know, I'm just such a minimalist and, you know, I have many houses and, you know, now I'm in park, my park city house and I'll go back to Austin. And, and, you know, I just pretty much all my belongings can be in a suitcase these days. Right. And, but, you know, now the money goes towards my health. You know, I can't even tell you the amount of money now I spend on health versus before I barely spent anything. Now, you know, I, I really plan for, for, you know, to be as healthy as possible and paying for, you know, things that insurance doesn't pay for and doing all sorts of fun hacks and and different things. Supplements aren't inexpensive, right? Being able to pay for just life experience of things come up. It's like, yeah, I'm going to go there and do that. So I think that's a big thing too, is, is the shifting is when kind of in this, like I teach sovereignty and freedom is that we can be so trapped and heavy with our possessions. And mm-hmm. usually we're paying with our possessions in the form of payments, which is another lay of, a layer of heaviness mm-hmm. is some type of debt payment to pay that. And when we can really start living light and realize and be unattached to so much, you know, I say our possessions possess us and, yeah. and, you know, and realize like, wow, many times for many, we can live in much smaller houses. We don't need all this stuff. And you start, you start getting like letting this go. And then you just realize how much life you have. I, I think most people don't realize this heaviness we create for ourselves and kind of this, a, a true trap or prison in a way that, that without, without knowing it. And, and you know, i I do, you know, I have my sovereignty, my money school, which is called sovereignty Academy. And, and so that's, that's my business. And now I'm an investor. I just did it. It was on a docu, um, docu-series last night to talk about real estate investing. So I'm an investor so, and I'm a real estate broker. So I buy and sell my own real estate. And sometimes mm-hmm. I help other clients, not much anymore, but I do it occasionally. So I just for friends and family for the most part. So I just uh, was on the phone call two days ago with this client that um, that I'm putting their house on the market. And and so anyway, for the last few weeks, since I first met with them, they, I said, okay, all this stuff in the house needs to go. We need it boxed up. We need it out of the house. And, you know, because that's the only way we're going to be able to show it and sell it. So I got, I was on the phone call with them just, you know, uh, last week and they said, oh my God, it feels so much better in here. Mm-hmm. We feel so much lighter. And why are we selling the house now? And, you know, and the number of times I've heard that, you know, over, yeah. you know, 20 years, but again, it was just this, since I don't do it as often anymore. It's just, you know, they didn't realize just the emotional mm-hmm. difference, like the psychological, emotional difference they felt and reported to me by boxing up 90% of the stuff that was in their house. And they said to me, like, 
we don't even need this stuff. It's all in boxes in the garage. And if we never sold, we wouldn't ever move that stuff back in. So again, it's just that lesson, right? That, you know, what are we doing to complicate our lives? What are we doing to add heaviness, add more payments, add more possessions? And so I just like to say in the health piece, just start purging. It feels great. Oh, and, no, I like, 100% agree with you. Like, I mean, my rooms have the least when we don't have all these payments to buy all these things, right? Yep. My rooms with the least stuff or that I've worked on getting rid of some of the stuff are definitely, you know, my favorite spaces, you know, and I'm working on doing that throughout the house. But it's, it's like you said, you don't realize until over many years you acquire things and you realize, how did I get all this stuff? And for most of us, it takes a long time, right? And, but what we don't do is we're not good at getting rid of it. And I had a conversation, maybe it was a couple weeks ago, with a feng shui and a declutter expert. And it's actually fascinating, you know, the reasons we hold on to things, the reasons we have clutter, where the clutter is. So it was a fascinating conversation, but it's much to your point, which is, you know, she even explained, you have to clear the room first um, in order to put the stuff back because she says, your room is actually your 3D vision board. You know, people make vision boards. She's like, no, everything in your room is a reminder to you. Either you don't feel worthy. Like I didn't replace the, the broken desk or I didn't, I'm going to do it when I arrive, you know? So it was a really interesting, the stories we tell ourselves about what we're keeping or what we're not fixing or what we're allowing to be in our spaces. But the other thing she talked about, which is what you just said, when she was just doing design, now she you know, also does other things. The wealthier the clients she worked with, you know, in Hawaii and different places, so it'd be, you know, um, business people that had houses over there and all these things. She's like, the the wealthier they were, the more self-care spaces they had in their homes. And she said, you know, and it took, she had an injury, so it took her a long time. And it was self, it was by self-care, I mean, meditation, yoga, you know, all different practices, I should say, you know, health practices. But her point was, is she started seeing the pattern that the wealthier the people were, they designed their spaces for what they needed and then where they're moving into instead of what they needed right this minute. And I mm. thought that was really interesting. You know, to your point, we'd almost all be better off if we had a yoga space and a meditation space and a this instead of lots of other things we have in our homes. You know? Yeah, that's really good. I love that. That's yeah, that's right in line with with I believe. And it's not just unloading the stuff, like what really traps people financially is the acquisition, you know, acquisition of possessions many times, but what that means, it's an acquisition of payments. And so what eats up our paycheck are the monthly payments. When we Mm -hmm. have the mortgage payment, car payment, one car payment, two student loan payment, maybe, you know, we wanted to buy some furniture. So we got the, you know, 0% Mm -hmm. credit card on some fancy furniture, and then maybe put some vacations on the credit card And, uh, you know, so it's just, then we have all these subscriptions that we're paying for and we're eating out a lot. And all of a sudden, like our whole, that's what's happening is our whole monthly paycheck is being, has been eaten up by payments. So the more we can get rid of the payments, we're mean, we're not attached to what that payment's attached to the huge mortgage payment. The, do we need the car payments? Do we need all these payments? You know, like, what is it robbing us of in other places? Because most of these payments keep us meaning trapped more in our house and unable to get out. So again, like when you start unraveling or kind of the peeling back the layers, of this onion, it just becomes more revealing and more revealing. And that's the people when they go through my money school, we're peeling back the onion. It's like, what I just call this holy shit moment. Like, holy shit. I had no idea. Holy shit. I had no idea. Oh my God. You know, but you know, that's what, it's a beautiful process because now mm-hmm. that we have this new awareness, it's like, all right, I, I don't need that or I don't want that or we call it the respend where I was spending money towards there. It just doesn't have value or importance, you know, and and really what value is and meaning is, is what we place importance to. So, you know, the financial importance going to pay for things for many things that we've not even taken the time. Like, is it really that important? Does it match my values? And if not, maybe maybe I can stop that one right now and put that money elsewhere. It's my values. Yeah. And I, I love it because I think you're right. We have to revisit this stuff regularly. And then make those or ask those, not that they're hard questions, but they are if we haven't been asking them, but ask the questions to ourselves and answer them honestly. You know, do I really need this extra, like you said, subscription? Do I really need a brand new card that costs double what I could have paid, you know, or whatever it is? So, yeah, I think that's, that's important. like, for instance, I've only driven, I've, I mean, I've had a remote office for 15 years, so I was never driving a ton in the last many years anyways, you know, by myself. But like last year, we looked at how many miles I drove and it's 
I mean, it was a tiny number, right? Because if I'm going out of town or we're traveling somewhere, I'm usually with one of my kids or my husband or the family. So we might not be using my car. But my point is, is I was like, wow, it's such a tiny amount. Like we literally just lowered my insurance because I'm barely driving the car. You know, I just work from here. I'm, you know, within 15 mile radius a lot. So, but my point is how, how much do I really use my car? So, you know, my car is not that important in other words, even though it's a, you know, a couple of year old car, but anyways, so it's another point though, you know, is that car is going to last me forever. If I, if I don't just, you know, feel like, oh, I want a better look or look at car or something. (laughs) Yeah, cars drive a long time these days, you know, well, there's a, a quote that I give that people don't trade car for cars, they trade card payment for car payment. And yeah. you know, when we start understanding how money works and how compound interest works, and you put in that monthly payment, and if you have some form of monthly payment in a car, yeah. let's say for most of your life between husband has a car payment, maybe that car gets paid off, then wife has a car payment, then maybe kids, there's kids that are start driving. So most Americans have one car payment most of their entire working career. Mm-hmm. So if we do $750 a month for, let's say, 40 years, just saying during our entire working, kind of adult working, we had at least one car payment of an average of $750. Any guesses to how much money we could have accumulated and put away for our in our wealth bucket? I, I don't know the number. You'll have to tell me. I'm sure well, I can do the math. So it's a $5 million car. And that's Isn't putting that $750 away because I think probably 10% interest for yeah. 40 years just to do the math. But right. see, what we don't understand what the cost is. Most people, I think, would you rather have had a brand new car for 40 right. years or would you right. rather have $5 million of wealth Absolutely. that would $250,000 a year really of cash flow? But we, because we're not educated because we're financially ignorant of these finance of these laws and principles that can be learned by everyone. It's not rocket science. It's not difficult. But again, it's our mindset that's in our way. It's our um, it's our relationship with money, and it's our lack of desire to learn it because of usually those first two things. Yeah. And we, everyone, we all have a choice. We all have the ability to create wealth. Wealth is not created by the amount of money you make. Wealth is all created by those three legs of the stool. And there's many stories. I mean, you just go Google and you'll find story after story of story of people that have made very modest incomes and have built great wealth that is more than enough money for them. So those stories wouldn't exist if it weren't possible. So, you know, I just invite everyone like money is real. Money is important. Get good at it. You know, and if it's not with me, then start reading some books, start learning some things and just kind of hone the skill and develop it and, you know, get better with it over time. But it's really important. <laughs> oh, you know, you're, I mean, I just had a conversation with um, some friends the other day and, you know, one of them was talking about, I don't know if it was their grandparents or great grandparents, but they're like, look, they, they did not make a lot of money. They were farmers. They're like, but when they passed, they still had a couple million dollars saved that they, you know, left to their family because they literally did not buy anything. Even if they need, like, I don't need to replace that sofa, right? They saved their money. So in that case, not to say they couldn't have spent a little more of it, but they didn't feel the need to because to them it was more important to, like you said, use a car until it dropped. You know, they weren't going to get a new car just because they wanted a new car. They were like, this one still works. It's functional. So I think to your point, it, it doesn't always matter at all. Like you said, how much money we make, it's about what we do with money. So I think it's such a powerful conversation that we were getting to have today. And I really appreciate it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah. So um, we'll wrap it up, but let me ask you any last or any resources that you recommend to people. I know you mentioned your class that you offer anything else um, that you would, would want to share with people. Yeah. I mean, I, I really spec this out in a very, in a little bit of a, a story format and easy to read in my book. It's, it's falling from money. It's falling from money.com. So it's mm-hmm. just an easy place. It's an easy read, even if you just skim through it. But mm-hmm. I really, I really say, you know, just, uh, just breeze through it. I know many people don't want to buy books these days. And and in fact, I mean, this is just a digital form that you can download to your Kindle. It's free. Uh, you could certainly go to Amazon if you wanted to buy the, the book form. But it's a really simple, fun read. And I think it, it causes anybody that reads it, a lot of light bulbs go up. And sometimes yeah. it's the instigator to want to do more. So fallingformoney.com. And then I have my Wealthy Wealthy podcast. If you just want to listen to me interview other experts, and then Sovereignty Academy is my money school for anybody that actually wants to go to some, you know, a, a semester of, of my money academy. Awesome. Now, is that on its own website or is that on your, your another website? 
That's it. It's sovereigntyacademy.com is the information there. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. I know this is going to be a powerful conversation for lots of people. So I'm so glad you could join us. Thank you. Well, I don't know about you, but I definitely took away so many things from the conversation today with Christina. First and foremost, of course, is we really do need to slow down and take an inventory of our health and our health signals and how we're treating our body and if we're putting our health first. And secondly, I think the conversation about money, I mean, to me, it was just so enlightening about how we really need to be intimate with our money and our numbers and how doing that and then making some small shifts, you know, mindset shifts and understanding of money and how we can use money, right, to create wealth over time, how important conversation, but more importantly, it was that we can't just keep chasing the next goal, the next rung, the next income level, because we'll always want to kind of achieve more. We have to kind of stop and really be honest about what is it we really want in our lives And are we taking the time to have real health and really nurture ourselves? And I just wanted to leave you with this quote today, and it's by Herophilus. He says, when health is absent, wisdom cannot reveal itself. Art cannot manifest. Strength cannot fight. Wealth becomes useless and intelligence cannot be applied. So I hope you'll take this as a reminder and maybe it will help push you into understanding how our money comes and goes in our lives and how we start using it to build a life we love. I think we do need to know what we want in order to define life on our terms. And we have to be willing to break the past scripts so that we can move into better and more beautiful and amazing things. And if you're ready to start going after your dreams and finding a way that you can make money doing something that you love, go to my website, kristenfitch.com slash discovery call and schedule a time to jump on a call with me at no cost so I can help you get started today. And if you enjoyed the show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have ideas for the show or guests that you'd like to recommend, I'd love to hear from you. So DM me on Instagram at Kristen Fitch, or you can email me from the website. Thanks so much. And thanks again for listening in. Until next time, have a great week.